Thank you for tuning in to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to a church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. We would love for you to join us. Stay tuned this summer as we have some big announcements coming up about the future of Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. Good morning, Collective. If I'm unfamiliar, my name is CT, and I'm one of our leaders here at Collective. My wife and I teach Financial Peace University. I'm on our management team here, and I am pumped to be here with you today as we continue in our series, Ordinary People. But I want to start by asking you a question. When you were kids, did you ever play the McDonald's Monopoly game? I know that I have three siblings and all of us as kids, we used to pile those pieces together in hopes of winning that big prize. And the best we ever did was probably a free ice cream cone or a free hamburger. And looking back on it now, I wonder, why did I even waste my time? And I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about McDonald's, right? Burger King, Wendy's, even rallies is better than McDonald's. I know, I know, I just incited a rage in the comments section about fast food and which is the best. Let me just put an end to it and get us all back on track and tell you the best fast food joint out there is Barbaritos. And if you don't know what I just said, that's because you're not from down south and you haven't done it right yet, but Barb's is the best. Now back to the real issue here. We played the game and maybe you did too, because we saw ourselves winning that exotic trip, going on the cruise, sitting in that brand new Dodge Viper, and maybe even dreaming of how to spend that million bucks. Well, I never won, and I can guarantee you never did either, and that's all thanks to a man named Jerry Jacobson. Jacobson was the director of security for Simon Marketing, the same company that was in charge of managing the game pieces for that McDonald's Monopoly game. And Jacobson took the most lucrative pieces to packaging centers around the country, and he personally applied them to French fry cartons and cups that were distributed around the country. And because he had millions of dollars of prizes in his hands, he had an independent auditor who had to follow his every move to make sure that those game pieces never left their tamper-proof case. However, when the foreign company that distributed those game pieces to the company actually sent them to Jacobson himself, all of a sudden he was tempted. And so he went to the only place his female auditor was not allowed to go with him to the men's restroom in airport terminals. And it was there in the bathroom that he opened the sealed packs of winning tickets and replaced them with ordinary ones. He said in 1989, he gave his stepbrother the winning $25,000 game piece just to see if he could do it. And after he wasn't caught, all of a sudden he has a lucrative side hustle, which pays him much more than his actual job. And so his butcher, also side note, do we still have personal butchers in 2001? Like, was that a thing? But his butcher paid him 45 grand in cash up front for the winning $200,000 game piece. 
And he continued to do this over and over and over. And he ended up recruiting quite a list of people, which included convicts, drug traffickers, mobsters, and even a Mormon family. Now, eventually, an anonymous tip to the FBI led to a full-blown investigation and shut down his operation, but not before he made clean with $24 million in cash. It's a fascinating story, and it captivated the country, fast food eaters and non-fast food eaters, but we don't remember it. And it's not because it just faded away into history. It's because it was big news, but it got lost in the noise of an even bigger event. And that's the theme for today's story as well. What we're looking at today is big news. If you replace a king, you alter a kingdom. An altered kingdom affects an entire population. And in this case, an altered population changed the course of history. This is especially true when the king that we are talking about just so happens to be one of the most famous people in the Old Testament, which is simply the portion of the Bible before the life of Jesus. So the book that we're looking at today is 1 Samuel, and it focuses on the nation of Israel. And this is a turning point in their history. Up until this time, they'd been a loosely gathered tribes that all had kind of come together and formed this nation. But now they want a monarchy. They want an established king to rule their kingdom. If it helps, think about the 13 original colonies becoming the United States of America. It's really a crude parallel, but it gives you some idea of what's happening with the nation of Israel at this time. And part of the reason they did this is because of the pressure of the nations around them who had kings and began to attack the nation of Israel. So the Israelites said, God, instead of you being our king, we want an actual king that we can see who will protect us from the nations around us. And we don't have time to get into the full backstory, but David becomes the second king of Israel. David goes on to become a famous character in the Bible, and he's known as a man after God's own heart. And even here at Collective, our first two winters, we did a sermon series about the man and the kingdom of David. David is the event that is the bigger news than the McDonald's Monopoly story, but David's story has a beginning. And without that beginning, David would have never became who we know him to be. So the story of David comes from the book of 1 Samuel. The book is a life about Samuel, who was a prophet. And a prophet just simply means in that culture at that time, somebody who spoke directly to God and took what God said and disseminated that message amongst the nation of Israel. So God tells Samuel, this prophet, he says, hey, go to this guy named Jesse, because one of Jesse's sons is going to be the new king. And this is where we pick up the story. 1 Samuel 16, 6 tells us that when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed, meaning surely this is who is going to be king. What's interesting is our collective kids' Bibles that we have at home give us more information on why Samuel, the prophet, thought that this guy Eliab, who was the oldest son, should have been the king. We were just reading the story a couple of weeks ago to our girls at home, and this is what our collective kids' Bible tells us. 
Now in those days, if you were going to be king, you didn't have to be the richest or the cleverest. You had to look like a king, which meant you had to be the tallest and the strongest so you could carry the longest swords and biggest armor and defeat everyone. You had to look like a warrior. If you're going into a fight, you don't want me. You want the rock. Like I do seven push-ups and I get tired. When I was born, my muscles took one look at my tiny, weak little frame. And they're like, dude, peace out. We're going to go find some protein. And they haven't come back since. So Samuel, being just like us, sees the guy who is the biggest and the strongest. And he thinks, yeah, this is my guy. But God says no. And so each one of Jesse's sons is brought before Samuel, the prophet, and each time God says no. And we pick up the story again in 1 Samuel 16, verses 11 through 13. And we're going to paraphrase here a little bit, but Samuel's like, he's like, hey, man, is this all that you got? Do you have any more boys? And the dad, Jesse's like, yeah, there's the youngest one, but he's out with the goats and he's out with the sheep. And Samuel says, no, bring him at once. We're not going to sit down. We're not going to eat until he comes. So they sent for him and the Bible tells us that he's dark and handsome and has beautiful eyes. An interesting detail that the Bible tells us about this son. And immediately the Lord says, this is the one anoint him. And so David, the one who is to be anointed, stands there among his brothers while Samuel breaks out this flask of olive oil that he has and anoints David with that oil. And then it tells us that the spirit of the Lord came upon David in that day. And then Samuel just leaves. He goes back home to Ramah where he came from. In present day context, this is Jordan passing the torch to LeBron. Not that that would ever happen because MJ was and always will be better than LeBron. This is when the family patriarch is growing old and weak and gathers family members around and gives out treasured family artifacts and leadership responsibilities to his children. This is a decision that altered an entire nation in history as well. If you know the Bible or if you know the stories, David defeats Goliath. David becomes king. David's family tree leads straight to the birth of Jesus Christ. David is the one that we're still talking about and doing sermon series about today. But if there was no Samuel, there would be no David. Samuel's entire life was quiet, unassuming service to God and to God's people. He didn't care who got the credit. He didn't tell David like, hey, bro, when you get to the top, remember us little people. And when you have an audience of one, it becomes much easier to have a singular focus in life. It's also really great because you stop caring so much about what people think. So who's your audience of one? Is it your spouse, your kids? Maybe a really close former family member or friend who has died. Could it be your job? Or is it God? Who's your audience of one? Learn from Samuel and commit your life to God, not to impressing other people. So how does this story affect us today? I mean, this is a great story, but I'm not going to run out of here and go anoint anybody with olive oil, that's for sure. But the symbolism of the story is there and it's real today. And we can take home some application points in our lives. 
And the first one is all about humility. If you're writing things down today, if you're taking notes, write down humility. And if you're really bored and if you need something to do right now, hint, that's probably you. Just go ahead and Google hashtag humblebrag. Now, let me just tell you, it's a bit of a rabbit hole. It does have some adult language, so do so at your own risk. But humblebragging is real and it's everywhere. Humble bragging is defined as bragging masked by complaint or humility. Let me give you some examples here. One Twitter user, it's anonymous, don't go look up the handle, took it off on purpose. But one Twitter user said, I just did something very selfless. But more importantly, it was genuine and I know it meant a lot to the person in the long run. Hashtag so worth it. That's humble bragging. Another example from a famous person, name omitted, again, says, totally walked down the wrong escalator at the airport from all the flashes of the camera. Go me. I got a couple more here for you. Here's one that is definitely humble bragging. The downside of my glamorous life. Okay, that right there just makes me not like you. But the downside of my glamorous life, standing around for six hours at the royal wedding, my entire little toe is basically one unified blister. We feel so sorry for you. And then my personal favorite, and apparently one of the best humble braggers on the internet, this is back-to-back tweets that this guy sent out. The first one, told a couple renting my house in the Midwest who both lost their jobs last month not to worry about November, December rent. They have a little boy. Immediately followed up with, maybe I'm too nice, but stories like that around the holidays get to me. Hopefully they'll give their little boy a good Christmas. Hashtag karma. Now, this dude is in his own league. He humble brags about what he does. And then he says he gets choked up about a story that he just created that is about himself. This has to be like the greatest use of humble braggeriness that's on the internet. And just to be clear, that's not something to be proud of. And it's easy to sit here and laugh about other people and enjoy their ridiculousness. But it's all a matter of perspective. If you have a Twitter account, most of y'all's are public, not private. And so if I went searching on your Twitter, what would I find? Large scale or small scale doesn't matter. It's the sentiment and the message that we are sending out. What are you communicating that resembles arrogance rather than humility? What's your humble brag? how awesome you or your family are doing during the coronavirus, this great act of service that you did to other people. Maybe it's the accomplishments of your children that you're so proud of. Here's the crazy thing about humble brags. One, nobody cares. And two, people don't like you. That's not just my opinion. That is actual research. Researchers from Harvard and the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, both very credible and prestigious academic institutions, did a study about humble bragging. We don't have time to get into all the details, but what they discovered was if you outright brag and own your bragging, you're viewed more favorably than a humble brag. 
It's really interesting. They also found that people who complain are viewed more favorably than humble braggers. And listen, if you're on a list that is below bragging and complaining, that is not a list you want to find yourself on. One final note about humble bragging. Listen to this quote. Nothing is more deceitful than the appearance of humility. It is often only carelessness of opinion and sometimes an indirect boast. That doesn't come from the article. That comes from Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. So instead of humble bragging, what should you do? Well, check out Philippians 2, verse 3. It's a book in the Bible. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Humility is hard. Not trying to impress other people is hard. It's not natural. We want to celebrate the good things in life, and we should, but in all things, check your motives. And if you're being honest with yourself, deep down, you know, like you know what your motives are. Why are you posting what you did? Why is it so important that that one certain person knows how awesome you are? Is it because you truly want to celebrate the good things or does it resemble something deeper? Jealousy, revenge, being vain, bragging, anything related to that motive, that's not humility. Thinking of other people as better than yourself is good, so stop trying to impress other people and instead act humbly towards others. And if you can capture that attitude, that'll go very well into our second application point today, which is serve God and others. If you're taking notes, write that down. Serve God and others. Look at this from the life of Jesus himself. Mark 10, 45 tells us that even the son of man, Jesus, didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I'm just going to be honest here. This is about as easy as it's ever going to get. No matter how big or how small, we all need a pick-me-up and could use something special right now. And I know so many of you listening for the past few months have done things for your neighbors, and that's awesome. We encourage you to have a happy hour for your neighbors in our last series called Won't You Be My Neighbor? But just because the series is over, don't let that momentum stop. So here are some ideas that fit every budget for how you can serve other people this week. Send somebody takeout. It's really simple and easy. Send somebody a meal. Make a homemade card for somebody and put it in the mail. Cost you 50 cents for the stamp. Give somebody a gift card for coffee or deliver them coffee. For all y'all weirdos that like coffee out there, give somebody coffee. Speaking as a parent... Order something online that encourages creativity rather than consumption. Art, learning, crayons, crafts, something, and send it straight to somebody's house for their kids to enjoy. Text a different person every day this week telling them how awesome you think they are. Someone in this church gave me and my wife a very thoughtful gift that I was really looking forward to using this summer. The first thing was two movie tickets. And there was a movie that I was very excited that was coming out this month, but 
that's not happening right now. But they gave us two movie tickets and they gave us a gift card that we could use for dinner. It wasn't anything fancy. It was Chipotle, but they know us really well because we're not really too fancy. And if you don't have barbs, you might as well go second best. And Chipotle is fine any day of the week. But it didn't just stop there. They said, hey, we know if you have a date night, somebody has to watch your kids. So here's cash to pay your babysitter as well. And if you can't spend money like that, that is totally fine. What really meant the world to us was the sentiment and the thought they put into taking that care for us to the next level. That is service to others. Now, service to God is pretty easy as well. And I would argue if your motives are right, which we just talked about, what you do for others with the right heart is also service to God. But how can you serve with us right now? You can't come volunteer your time and wake up early on a Sunday and be with us in person. I know this is going to sound really basic and cheesy, but you can spend your time with God. And God wants to get to know you. Read your Bible. Now, whether you said yes to God decades ago or whether you are wondering how God can be good in a time like this, read your Bible. Michael, our lead pastor, will tell you to start with a book of the Bible about the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And that's really cool. What I would tell you is my personal favorite book of the Bible is Genesis, the very first book. So pick up the Bible. I know, I know, the app is cooler. My phone is so old, I can't even download a new app. And I just like to have the real thing in my hands. But pick up the Bible or open up your app and find something. And if you don't like it, flip to something else until you find something that captivates you. But spend time reading the Bible. Prayer is pretty easy, too. I personally find that my best prayers are when I'm running or when I'm mowing grass. And I know I just volunteered to mow a whole bunch of grass for all y'all out there, but I lose focus on the rest of the world and I just get to concentrate on my prayers. So how and when do you pray best? It doesn't have to be at a table with your hands folded and your eyes closed. Pray as it's natural to you. Just talk to God. Tell him your struggles, your frustrations, your joys. God wants to hear from you. Let me wrap this up this morning by telling you on September 11th, 2001, if you were born at that time, you could probably tell me where you were. You could probably tell me a lot of details about the events of that day for you. On September 10th, one day earlier, major news broke about the McDonald's monopoly scandal. But our nation changed forever just one day later. And so all of a sudden, McDonald's monopoly scandal wasn't big news anymore. There was a bigger story that captured all of us and changed us as a nation. David is the king that we all remember. But don't ever forget the story behind one of the greatest kings to ever live was a quiet, unassuming man in service to God and God's people. He didn't care who got the credit. He didn't try to impress anybody. In fact, the story tells us he did what God asked him to do and then he just went home. Jesus himself 
came to serve, not to be served. Stop trying to impress everybody. Be like Samuel, an ordinary guy. Live a life devoted to God and to humility. Serve an audience of one. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for today. God, this could be a bold prayer to pray this week, but I pray that you help all of us to ask you, what does it mean to be humble? How can I show humility in my life? God, I pray that you give us that desire to want to put other people ahead of ourselves. And that naturally leads into service to other people. And we can give of our time, of our money, of our talents, and we can serve other people for you this week. God, I pray that we all in our own way that is personal and meaningful to us, spend time with you, reading the Bible and praying with you this week. We're so thankful for this series that teaches us that people just like us, ordinary people, can have a huge impact in the kingdom. We thank you for what you do. We thank you for this time here together. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen.